Good morning. Good morning. Scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 9, verse 20 through 24. They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help me unbelief. Thank you, gentlemen. Good to see everyone this morning. Uh, appreciate all the all out there in live stream or TV land that's going to be joining us, that, or have, that has joined us, I should say, and appreciate that so very much. We've had a prayer request this morning, brothers and sisters. Our sister, uh, Brenda Hunter, is going into the hospital to have surgery tomorrow, and she has asked that the church be praying for her. So we're going to do that at this time and then ask you to continue to do that as well. Father, we thank you for loving us and blessing us and watching over us. And, God, these are tough times right now, and it's not the best time to be having surgery. And so we do pray that you would be with Brenda because you can do all things, as we've just read. And, and Father, you are the great physician, and we pray that you would help her surgery to go well, that she would have a speedy recovery and be able to be back home very quickly and continue in good health. Father, we pray also for all of our uh, folk out there that you at this time, God, we... Um, how many people are obviously with the COVID-19 virus, but there's so many other diseases that tend to get overlooked at this time that many people are really going through and suffering, and we just pray you would be with each and every one of our brothers and sisters of this congregation who are going through those hard times and that you would give them your healing touch, especially those, Father, that have ongoing illness. Pray you'll watch over us all and bless us this morning as we continue to worship you, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, how God tests our faith, that's what we're going to talk about, okay? Because, see, this uh, coronavirus reminds us of a lot of things, and one is that we're at war with Satan. You know, we forget that sometimes. Uh, there's a whole lot of people that are ill-prepared for battle. Um, in Matthew 13, verses 20 through 22, um, this isn't in, written down, but if you want to turn there very quickly, um, I, I like what he says there because I think this describes many of us complacent Christians and how it's so easy to get that way when times are good. But in Matthew 30, Jesus is talking, uh, 13, I should say, Jesus is talking about the parable of the sower and the seed, and he's explaining it in verses 20 through 22. And, and I want to look at a couple that he mentions that, that I think uh, talks to the Lord's church today in large part. Um, Matthew 13, beginning in verse 20, Jesus said, the one on whom, um, the, who, whom seed was sown on the rocky place. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root. That's because his faith is not built, brethren. He has no firm root in himself, but it is only temporary. And when difficult or uh, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. A lot of people that do that. Now, verse 22, And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. This is the man who hears the word and the the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I think a lot of us have got that point, brothers and sisters, simply because we have had it so good and God blesses us so often that we just begin to take things for granted and we don't, as the old proverbial saying is, we don't miss the water until the well runs dry. 
We are literally at war with Satan, brothers and sisters, and we need to understand that. And a lot of people, as I said, are very ill-prepared for battle. How do you know that, preacher? Because I know, brothers and sisters, there are those people that things as simple as they get mad because the preacher says something they don't like, and that's going to happen. That preacher said something I didn't like. That preacher offended me, so I'm going to quit the church. Are you, are you being faithful to God, brethren? Through all this coronavirus, are you being faithful to God? Somebody don't like, I don't like this selection of songs, them preacher, them, them song leader sings. He don't, he don't sing the songs I like, so I'm going to quit the church, you know. Somebody at church didn't shake my hand, or they didn't smile at me, or they said something I didn't. It's any number of little old things like that, brothers and sisters. And, and so sometimes during that time, you know, our faith, our faith needs strengthening, you know. Let me ask you, are you remaining faithful to God through all of this? See, the coronavirus or any crisis or any pandemic, any epidemic, is not an excuse to leave God or to not do what God says to do. Let me ask you some very simple questions this morning, okay? And this is a challenge to all of us. Are you continuing to take the Lord's Supper on Sunday? See, this, God doesn't take, uh, take the Lord's Supper except when you can't be with me, right? Are you continuing to do that? That's a simple thing, brothers and sisters. We've got kits here you can take. We'll, in fact, we've offered to deliver them to your house. And, and so there's ways you can do that. I know of others that have, have, have gotten recipes and made their own unleavened bread and then got the wealthiest grape juice, and they are continuing to partake the Lord's Supper. That's not a difficult thing to do. Are you remaining faithful to God in that? When we sang this morning, did you sing with us? When we partook of the Lord's Supper, when, when, when we, all of that, are, are you giving the way that you should? Beloved, I wrote a short book on all that. I don't want to belabor it right now. But you know what? The work of the church has to go on. It doesn't take a vacation. We still have bills to pay. And, and so, you know, there's ways you can get your contribution in. We've tried to make all that easy for you to do and, and not very difficult. So are you remaining faithful to God, see? The Bible says in Matthew 9, 29, that Jesus says that be it done according to your faith right? And so this is what is known in the Bible. You know, what, what are you expecting God to do in your life, brothers and sisters? That is called, uh, this, this is the law that God has established. We call it the law of expectation, right? And the truth of the matter is, is that we tend to get what we expect out of life. Do you notice that? We tend to see what we expect to see. We tend to hear what we expect to hear or want to hear. We tend to feel the way that we expect to feel. And we accomplish what we expect we're going to accomplish. That is called the law of expectation. This is the law of faith, right? God says you get to choose because it's going to be done according to your faith. And so what is our faith like this morning, you see? Another um, important verse in the Bible is Hebrews eleven six. right? You're very familiar with that. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is his he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him brothers and sisters we need to understand that how many of you are are pleased when your children trust you you know we, that doesn't that please us make us happy when we know our children just trust us no matter what god is the same way god is our heavenly father and god is pleased when we trust him and that's by the bible that's why the bible says without faith it's impossible to please him the opposite of that brothers and sisters is he's not pleased when we don't trust him. The Bible tells us that, okay? Several times Jesus mentioned that to his disciples when he would say, oh, you're a little faith. You know, if you would only believe, your faith needs to grow. And uh, brothers and sisters, because that is true, we need to talk today about how do we grow in our faith. 
If Jesus says what we do is going to be done according to our faith and that without faith it's impossible to please God, then how do we grow? In Luke 17, 5, the um, apostle said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. I hope that's your prayer this morning. It certainly has been mine for a long time. How do you do that? How do you have more faith? How does God work in our life? to give us the kind of faith that's going to endure anything that life and Satan can throw at us, whether it's a, a pandemic, an epidemic, a crisis, a personal crisis in your own life. What is it? What, what kind of faith? How do we grow to that point, brothers and sisters, to where we can say, honestly, I've got this with God. I, I'm, I'm going to get through this no matter what. You see, um, faith is what makes my life rewarding and fulfilling and strong and gives us hope for the future, as the Bible says. How does God build my faith? Does it just come naturally? Do we just wake up one morning and, boy, we got a bunch of faith? Brothers, I've, I've shared this before, brethren, but uh, I pray on a daily basis, God, give me an extra measure of faith. How does he do that? Does he do as your parents say, I can't drill a hole in your head and just dump it in? Does he do that? How does he increase our faith, brothers and sisters? It's not really something you're really excited about when you first hear it, is it? Because the truth is, God builds our faith by testing it. See, that's when it gets tough, right? He builds our faith by putting it to the test, by trying it. Faith is like a muscle, and when it's stretched and it's pulled, and it's, then, then it's going to develop and it's going to be stronger. You don't develop your faith sitting in your lounge chair in your living room sipping your iced tea. It's got to be stretched. And when you test your muscles against weights, then your muscles develop. And your faith develops as it is tested. The Bible tells us that. You don't develop your faith by setting on your blessed assurance on the church pew, okay? What is James chapter 1, verse 3? And we're going to look at this in a little bigger detail, but right now, he says, knowing that the testing, a testing, brothers and sisters, of your faith produces endurance. We need that. Look what Job says in Job 7, 17 and 18. And, and we know Job's faith was tested mightily, so he knows what he's talking about. What is man that you magnify him and that you are concerned about him, that you, listen to this, examine him every morning and try him every moment? Why does God examine and try us, that is it, brothers and sisters? How does God test our faith? Let me give it to you uh, today in the form of the letter D, Okay. Then number one, the Bible says these are all in the Bible. There's, there's many ways God can do this, brothers and sisters, but these are four major ways that God um, tests our faith. You can put in little subheadings in there that you want to. But number one, through difficulty, okay? Our country and the whole world is going through a very difficult time. Isn't it amazing how an unseen virus can basically shut down the world? And so what do we do during that time? God tests our faith, brothers and sisters, through difficulties through trials and problems and pressure and tough circumstances and, and all the stresses and the crises of life, that's when we grow. First Peter 1, 5 through 7 says that, as these people are being severely persecuted for doing nothing more than being faithful to God Almighty. And he says in chapter, 1 Peter 1, verses 5 through 7, who are protected by the power of God, listen to this, through faith. That's our faith. For salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. In what? All the persecutions he's talking about. You greatly rejoice even though now for a little while necessary you've been distressed by various trials. Not just one or two, but a lot. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, 
even those tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter said, y'all are going through this for a reason. You're being persecuted so that your faith can be tested, so that you can see what you're made of, so you can grow stronger, so that at the revelation of Jesus, you're going to be rejoicing because you hung in there and didn't quit. Brothers and sisters, nothing ever happens by accident in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's one of my pet peeves, but it bothers me when I hear a Christian say, boy, I was lucky. No, you are not. Beloved, let's get that in our mind. Luck has nothing to do with it, okay? Everything in a Christian's life is father-filtered. Write that down. Everything is father-filtered, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand, brothers and sisters. I'm not saying that God plans all the bad things in this life. Somebody said, Brother Green, you think God caused this virus? I, you know what? He has the power to cause it. He certainly allowed it. I'm not God. I'm not a prophet. I'll leave that up to God. But we do know... <clears throat> that he doesn't have to cause all bad things. You know, a lot of times people say, well, every bad thing that happens is, is God's fault. No, brothers and sisters, God doesn't have to cause bad things. We live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. And a lot of the problems we bring on ourselves. And a lot of the problems other people bring on us that we're innocent victims of. So what am I saying? Uh, what I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is that nothing comes into your life uh, if you're a child of God by accident and without God's permission. It couldn't happen without God's permission. Do you understand that? There are accidents in life. Of course there are. But God, does, but God uses those things. He, he uses them as instruments, right? To bless us. And that what, as Ken mentioned in Romans 8, 28, that God's going to work everything out for our good. That might have been Chris that mentioned that. Um, one of them Carter boys. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, God's going to work it out, brothers and sisters. He takes the good and the bad, and his, as long as we remain faithful to him. But you know what? Sometimes God has to custom make a problem to teach you uh, faith, to test you. Do you know that? Jonah had that. Chad mentioned it this morning in his Bible class, right? Jonah had to have a custom-made situation, didn't he? The Bible says God prepared a great fish to swallow him up. And, and, it, and it just swallowed him up and it got his attention. Sometimes God creates problems that swallow you up. And, and you say, well, well uh, you know, you, you get the point where you say, well, there's nothing else to look for except the Lord. The Bible says when Jonah was in that belly's well, or belly's well, that well's belly or a fish's belly, that he prayed. He prayed the whole time. Brothers and sisters, uh, here's a great verse that you need to hold on to when you're going through tough times, okay? Isaiah 48. 10. This is what God says about this. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Many of us are being tested right now. We don't like what we're going through. We, we consider maybe what we're going through right now is a furnace of affliction. Brothers and sisters, there's so many things I'm missing right now. There's so many things. I, I, I miss seeing you all. I miss hugging. I miss, I miss talking to you. There's so many things that we miss that, that we're having to go through. And you know what the Bible says God's doing? He's testing us in this furnace of affliction. And, and so what's the furnace of affliction? What is it? You've been there, right? It's when the heat's on, right? And when the heat's on, it's a real test, isn't it? How are you doing in the furnace of affliction? How are you feeling in the heat right now? Because it's being applied, isn't it, brothers and sisters? How have you, have you felt it this past week, the past couple of weeks? Are you under pressure? Is it getting a little hot under the collar? 
Brethren, the Bible oftentimes compares our problems and difficulties to a furnace, right? The furnace of a refiner's fire who tests us um, and, and who heats up so high that the <coughs> excuse me, that the gold and silver melt and the impurities are burned away. I heard of an old silversmith who was once asked about his business, and they said, how do you know when the impurities are burned away in the silver? And he said, it's when I can see my reflection in the silver. Beloved, when God can see his reflection in your life, then he knows that your impurities have been burned away. That's a test, and we need that. So what I do, what I do when you're going through these difficulties? How should we respond, right? The Bible says when uh, those crises come that God's trying to test our faith, and that's a good thing. So James 1, verses 2 and 3, let's read that in its context. Consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Are you counting this a joy, <laughs> you know? And you think, well, Brother Green, have you lost your ever-loving mind? You know, we don't count a crisis in a joyful way. What did James say? What did Peter say in First Peter just a few minutes ago? Okay, brothers and sisters, he's saying rejoice, right? That's what he says. Thank God. Praise God. Why? Because we know that God is with us. We know that God's hand is in this. We know that God has a plan for us. He has a purpose in our life, and he's going to help us through it. That's why God's purpose is greater than the pain or the problem or the difficulty and I, that we're going through right now, brothers and sisters. His purpose is to purify us and strengthen us and make us better Christians that's going to remain faithful to him no matter what. And so allow him to use that to do, this time to use it. Allow him to use this time to do that. That's the first lesson. If we want to live by faith, I've got to learn to rejoice continually because it says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you go through these various problems. Notice he doesn't say be thankful for the problem. That's not what he said, brothers and sisters. God doesn't expect you to thank him for the bad things in your life. If you get cancer, you don't necessarily have to say thank God for your cancer, although I've had people say that because it brought them to Christ. Of course not, brothers. It says be thankful for the problem, for what you're going through, because God in all of this crisis is going to use that to make you into a better Christian. And that's what we all need, to help us to be more faithful. And then secondly, brothers and sisters, the second D is God tests our faith through demands. Have you noticed that? He tells us to do things that are seemingly impossible. Have you noticed that? There are, in just the New Testament, not counting the Old, but the New Testament, 1,050 commands for believers to obey. Of all these commands, some of them seem unreasonable. Have you ever had that conversation with God? Some of them are certainly seem inconvenient. Some of them seem downright impossible. So what do you do when you have a, quote, impossible command that, that feels like a demand from God, Right? When you have a commandment and it seems like uh, one of those, I can't do that, right? The issue at the moment is, who am I going to believe? Who am I going to put my faith in? Who, is, who, who am I going to trust? Am I going to believe in God and what he says or, and, or do, and do what he says to do? Or am I going to believe what I think is the right thing to do? What about a command like, don't worry about anything? <laughs> Ooh, is, that, is that hard? Well, anybody struggle with that one? 
That can be a tough one, right? What about a command that God gives that says, you know what, love your enemies, do good to your enemies. What about that? Can that be tough? Forgive other people. Forgive those people who have wronged you, who stabbed you in the back and turned the blade and laughed. Can you forgive those folks? Every time, brothers and sisters, God gives us a command in the Bible, it's a demand that is placed on our life, and it is a test. Am I going to obey or not? What about that confessing your faults to one another? Chad means that this morning. We don't like to do that. I don't like to admit to people that I have faults and, 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 and confess them to each other, you know. That's a test, brothers and sisters. The test of am I going to trust what God says to do, what he says is right, or am I going to trust my own opinion and what I think is right <coughs> in my own eyes, and we know how dangerous that can be. Oftentimes, God asks us to do what we consider to be impossible. Why? Because we stretch. He wants us to grow in our faith. You look at Hebrews 11, and you see a whole lot of unreasonable demands, right? What we humans would consider unreasonable demands of God to certain people, and, and how, did they, how did they do it? By faith. Every time, by faith. Look at Abraham. Verse 8, you know what God told him to do in Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 8? He said, you know what, Abraham, I want you to leave your country, your everything, the thing, everything you know, and I want you to go to a foreign land. And I, he didn't even tell him where he's going. He said, I'm going to show you, and I'm going to bless you, and you need to do that. This is a brand-new God to Abraham. He obeyed him. And then later on, brothers and sisters, when God told him to sacrifice his only son on an altar to, to cut that boy's throat and burn him up as a sacrifice, Abraham was going to do that. Does that seem unreasonable? If God were to ask me to do that today, would I, would I fuss with God? That's, a, that's impossible, right? What about Noah, okay? Would, would you build an ark in the middle of a desert when you've never seen rain and never seen a flood just because God said to do so? Noah did, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a two-year plan either. The Bible says, by faith Noah built that ark. So brothers and sisters, God tests our faith, and he does it through difficulties. Okay, and he also does it through his demands and these demands that he makes on our life. You know, why do we do it? Why do we do what God says to do? We do it because I trust him. Did Noah understand everything God wanted to do in telling him to build that ark? Of course not. Did Abraham understand, Abraham understand all that? Of course not. Do we understand sometime what God's doing in our lives? No, and nor do we have to. If we did, he wouldn't be God. He's so much more than we are. So watch the lesson, brothers and sisters. I want to live by faith. And I've learned not only to rejoice continually, even during the hard times, I have learned to obey immediately. That's what, that's what the Bible tells us to do. Obey immediately. When God says it, I do it, right? Whether I understand it or not, I do it. Whether it makes sense to me or not, I do it. Because I know that it's what God has told me to do. That's the test of faith that when God tells you to do it in the Bible, then you do it. You don't say, well, Brother Green, the coronavirus has messed things up, and so, you know, I really don't need to take communion during this time or continue to give on the first day of the week or, or sing praises to God or, or you know, or no, 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 brothers and sisters, we do it. We do it. We may not be able to do it as conveniently as we'd like right now, and that's understandable, but, but we can do it. Thank God for the technology that we have that lets people do that. But brothers and sisters, let's face it, there's a whole lot of folk out there that maybe is tuned in today that you haven't been at church in six months. 
So it's not even, a, it's not even this virus. So, so what does God do to shake us up sometime and get our attention and get us on the right track and get us to have a, live a life of faith and not a life of convenience? It's through <clears throat> difficulty, it's through demands, and number three, God tests our faith. Now listen to his brothers and sisters. God, this is going to shock some of you. And this, it's all through the Bible, though. He tests our faith, the third D, with dollars. Think about that. I'm talking about money. You know, Brother Green, how can that be? Brothers and sisters, what does Jesus say? I mean, right up front. You know what he says? Where your heart is, that's where your treasure's going to be. So, so you can tell a whole lot. Look at a person's checkbook, and you can see where their priorities are, right? I'm talking about money. Did you know that money is one of the greatest tests of our faith in your life? The Bible says that few people understand how God uses our material possessions as a test of character and a test of faith, right? What did Jesus tell the rich young ruler to do? It was all about his money, his material things, wasn't it? You go and sell everything that you have and come follow me, and you'll have, you have treasure in heaven. In other words, you'll be a bazillion times richer than you are right now, and he couldn't do it. For many people, finances are the greatest thing in their life. They have no idea that God is actually testing them when they get into debt. You know that? When they're going through problems, when they're going through financial t- hard times, they're still asked to give. All of these things have to do with faith. In Luke 16, 10 through, uh, verses 10 through 12, Jesus says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the youth of unrighteous wealth, talking about the money of this world, who will entrust the true riches to you? You see how he makes a connection there, brothers and sisters? What is Jesus talking about? If you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? <clears throat> He's giving a truth that's taught uh, all through the Scripture, brothers and sisters. That is a definite, direct relationship between how I handle my money and the spiritual depth in my life. There is a direct connection. In fact, Jesus says, if I'm not faithful in handling material wealth, he's not going to trust me with spiritual wealth. If I'm not faithful with my possessions, he's not going to trust me with spiritual power. Money is a test, brothers and sisters. I can check my checkbook to find out how I'm doing. We can do that, brothers and sisters, because it tells where your priorities are and where you, what you value the most. I, seriously, I've had people come to me and say, Brother Green, I just can't give the way I'd like to, but they just bought a brand-new pickup truck and a brand-new bass boat and a brand-new shotgun, and you go on and on and on. It is a test, brothers and sisters. The fact is, I do with, with my money, really, what I do with, I say my money, we know it all belongs to God, but, but we do with our money what really determines how much God's going to bless our life, right? It's, it's whether or not we're good stewards, brothers and sisters. You may have never thought of it, but it has real impact. This is taught all through Scripture. I've, I have learned it after walking over 40 years in the Lord that God determines how much he's going to bless my life by how faithful I am with what he's put into my hands, be it little or much. Every time I sit down and write a check for my contribution, knowing that I could be using that money to pay bills, is that a test of faith? It certainly is. Brothers and sisters, it was a huge test of faith in the early years of our marriage when I was doing mission work and going to churches of 20 and 30 people and literally the government trying to sign me up for welfare and food stamps and stuff like that because my salary was so low. 
<clears throat> Kathy and I wrote that check first. That's not bragging. That's a fact. We wrote that check to the Lord when we couldn't pay our utility bill. Now, I'm telling you, that is a test of faith. When I'm willing and ready and able to generously give to the Lord, knowing that that money could be spent on other things that I would like to have, <clears throat> it's a test. It's like God uses difficulties and uh, demands. He uses our dollars. God is to be put first, the Bible says, in every area of our lives. And brothers and sisters, that certainly includes our finances. I want us to think about that. And then the fourth one, okay? Well, let's, let's go on. I'm not there yet. The Bible tells us. The fact is every time I give to God, my faith grows. And that, brothers and sisters, when you make a determination to give to God and you're going to put him first in your giving and you're going to let other things go in this life to do that, every time you give, every time you do that, brothers and sisters, it breaks a little bit of that materialism in our life, doesn't it? Every time I give, I grow in love. Every time I give, I grow in hope. You grow in faith. You grow in maturity. It builds your life. There's a reason God tells us to do that. In First Chronicles 29, brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us how David and the people of Israel raised the money to build the temple, which was God's, where God was going to dwell at that time. And in that <clears throat> one single offering, they actually raised over what would be $400 million in today's money. First Chronicles 29, 12 through 17. This is what um, is being prayed, okay, um, and by, uh, by David when he raises the money. And, and this is his prayer. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and, in, and, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer generously, as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given to you. Do you see how that works, brothers and sisters? So God uses our faith in that. And so then the, the lesson is, if you want to grow in faith, I not only have to rejoice continually, I have to obey God immediately, I have to give generously, and, that, and, and that's the third way that God tests our faith. And a lot of people, I'm afraid, are wavering in that area. They are allowing wealth to become their God. And so that's what we've got to do. I want you to evaluate how much faith your giving reveals, brothers and sisters. I know people that say in the Lord's church, well, Brother Green, I'm on a fixed income, and I just can't give to God. Yes, you can. You can't not give to God, brother. Gut-level honest right now. Let's just be gut-level honest. If God looked at what you give to him on a regular basis, would he say that you really trust him? Or have you been afraid to do what his word says to do? It's interesting in giving that not only uh, that the giving, our giving not only tests us, but you know what, brothers and sisters? It, it tests our faith, but the Bible says in Malachi that giving tests God. Did you know God invites us to test him, to prove him? This is what he says because the people were withholding their contribution. And in Malachi chapter 3 and verses 8 through 11, uh, Malachi asks, will a man rob God? God's asking that through Malachi and yet you are robbing me. But you say, their answer was, well, how have we robbed you? And God responds in tithes and offerings. 
You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me. Now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer. That's a great lesson there. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground and you, and you will... Or nor you will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, God said, you give me a test. You try me in this. You test me and see if I won't open for you the, the floodgates of heaven and bless you. Brothers and sisters, um, giving not only tests me, it tests God. He tests to do that. I dare you to test God. I dare you to put him to the test to see uh, that he keeps his promises and that you'll grow in faith. And then fourthly, we're almost done this morning. God tests our faith through delays. Y'all know the commercial, right? Because it's on ad nauseum. Is it J.D. Wentworth? I hate that commercial. They get on there and they say, I want it and I want it when? Now! That's right. Isn't that the human nature? And if every prayer were immediately answered, brothers and sisters, if every need that you had were automatically met, if every problem were instantly solved, we wouldn't need faith, and your faith wouldn't need to grow and be stretched. But as it is... It's not that way, and it's not that way because God means it not to be that way. We have to wait on things, and it is human nature that we hate to wait. I hate to wait. I'm telling you, I hate it. Do you? Do you do this? You're driving up to a red light, and, and coming down 41, and there's two cars in the two lanes, right? And, and, and you start to surmise things, you see. And there's one in each lane, and as you're driving, you're figuring out which one's going to get away from that light faster, right? And that's the lane you want to be in. And if you happen to get behind the slow car, what do you do? Whoop! Whoop over real quick, right? And so you can get going, all right? Um, and, you know, what, what about, uh, you know, we hate waiting. We hate waiting in line. We hate traffic. We hate everything about waiting. You, you know what? What do people hate about going to the doctor's office? You have to sit in a waiting room. And after an hour of sitting in the main waiting room, they take you back, take your blood pressure and your weight, and then put you in another waiting room, right? And all you do is sit there and wait. You ever go to Walmart, brothers and sisters, let me say, you go to Walmart, see if you do this. I know I'm not the only one. You go to Walmart and you see all the lines, you know, and, and they've got three, three, cash, three cashiers open and there's a bazillion people in there. And you're looking at the lines and you're looking at everybody's material, everybody, everything in everybody's cart, and you're trying to figure out which one of those lines is going to get through quicker, right? And that's the one that you're going to get through. And on rare occasion, they'll say, they'll announce, uh, they have just opened up line four, and people have run over 80-year-old ladies to get there. We don't like to wait, do we? You ever go to a McDonald's drive-thru, any drive-thru for that matter, at any restaurant, and Lord have mercy if you give a special order. Something as simple as, I want a number four, but leave off the onion. How hard is it to leave off an onion? And, and you have, uh, sir, would you please drive up, drive forward right there so everybody else can get served before you and uh, while we keep the onion off your hamburger, you know? I, we just don't like to wait, brothers and sisters, when your computer's not up to snuff and not running the way you want it to and as quickly as we think it needs to be. Oh, we can make a case out about that. But brothers and sisters, do you understand, and this is God's will, that a large percent of our life is spent in waiting if, if, if you and I can't learn how God wants to stretch 
and grow our faith during times of waiting, we miss out on so much of the faith lessons that God wants to teach us in our life. We need to learn to wait. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, 2 about God's people, God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to test you, okay, to know what's in your heart, whether you keep his commands or not. So we start asking the when questions, right, when we're, while we're waiting, right? When is my marriage going to get better? When is it going to turn around? Uh, or if you're single, when am I going to find that right person to get married to? Or how long is it going to take until I get well? Or when are we going to have a baby? Or when am I going to find just the right job? When will this virus be over? Brothers and sisters, as tough uh, as that time of waiting was, God develops our faith during that time. Right? Even when the difficulty of waiting, God is developing our faith. Some of you are waiting for something right now. We're all waiting impatiently for the virus to be gone, I would think. Maybe you've been waiting a long time for any number of things. And while you're waiting, you need to understand God is there and he's working. While you wait, he works. He does not leave you alone, okay? It just may be a test because God uses difficulties and demands. He uses dollars and he also uses delays to build your faith. Look at what God does in Isaiah 54, 4, okay? Isaiah 54, 4. Uh, that should be Isaiah 64, 4. I'm sorry, buddy. I probably wrote it down long. This is what he says. That says Isaiah 6. It's Isaiah 64, 4. It says, God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Beloved, it pays to be patient. Just remember that while you're waiting, God is working. We don't see that sometimes. You're not waiting alone. You're waiting in faith, and God is working while you wait. God is doing things behind the scenes, and so uh, you need to be patient. So watch the faith lesson in this, okay? If I really want to learn to live by faith, brothers and sisters, I've got to learn to rejoice continually. I have to learn to obey immediately. I have to give generously, and I have to learn to wait patiently. <clears throat> I'm going to grow in faith. I have to wait patiently. That's hard to do because God's not going to snap his fingers and give instant answer to prayers. You know, why not? Because he wants us to grow in faith. But what's the reward of waiting, okay? Uh, Isaiah 40, 30, and 31, okay? Though youth grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. In other words, brothers and sisters, God's going to strengthen you through that. He's going to make you stronger. Now, let me close quickly by saying this. The question, again, is do you want to live by faith? Are you willing to do that? Are you, and, then, and, and if so, I want, you to, I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to pray what Chad in his class is calling a dangerous prayer. Pray a dangerous prayer. Lord, increase my faith. That's a dangerous prayer because the way God increases our faith is by testing it and stretching it and putting you in some uncomfortable situations. COVID-19, brothers and sisters, I see is just one more test in our life. The question is, are you going to remain faithful to God through this particular test and through all the tests that's going to come in our life? And will you pass that test? Beloved, think about that. 
You may be right where God wants you to be right now because he wants you to grow. He wants you to get, be, be stronger in your faith. Let's allow him to do that. Let's allow him to work powerfully in our life. And above all else, let's do remain faithful to him no matter what. We're going to offer an invitation song just now. And if you do need to respond, if you're out there in live stream, there's all kind of ways you can get in touch with us. And we would certainly encourage you to do that while we sing at this time.